It's Monday, September 23rd. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Monday, guys. Yo. Thank you. You know, if the machines, if we'd been rolling tape for the previous 10 minutes, we would have had a different kind of podcast. It would have been about marriage and um, how great it is. Probably we've had to put a rating on the podcast. We might have had to put a rating on yeah. the podcast. It, who knows? It might have done well. <laughs> it might have done well in the iTunes Stitcher universe, but uh, it, it might have also resulted in some some tough times for the three of us in our home. So let's just move on More with the podcast certain, that we're yeah, actually let's... here to do. Uh, we're going to talk smartphones. We're going to talk about the entertainment industry. We're going to dip into the full mailbag, and we're going to talk about the latest salvo in the coffee wars. Let's start with smartphones. Uh, Apple announced it sold 9 million 5S and 5C iPhones over the first weekend. By comparison, Jason, last year, Apple sold about 5 million iPhone 5s over the first weekend. Shares up this morning, and I think it's fair to say that this is significantly better than people were expecting. Oh, yeah. No no question there. I think probably the expectations were probably a combination of a, a relatively lackluster iPhone 5 rollout, along with I think that we were conditioned to, to not really expect a whole heck of a lot from this. I think fairly, we, we were all asking the question, how what can they do to these phones to really make them better? I mean, that's kind of been, that's the hurdle now is like trying to figure out how these things can really change our lives. I mean, they've done a good job with the 5S. I mean, the fingerprint sensor is pretty cool. But I mean, I, you know, I was at the mall on Saturday with my older daughter. Daughter and uh, I mean the mall traffic was kind of meh, but but the Apple Store was was a beehive, and so I mean we were there checking out the phones, and you know I I went in there sort of with the the prejudice that I would not really be all that impressed by the five C, just kind of thinking of it as a cheaper phone, and I my my experience was 180 degrees the other way. I mean I was I was purely impressed by it. I mean it's. It's not a bad phone, you know. It's it's really light. I'm, I'm impressed with how light they are. But um, yeah, I mean, nine nine million phones. They they blew it out. I I think that uh, you know people overreact to almost every little bit of Apple news, and today's sales figures will start out as an overreaction as well. Uh, that is, I think the uh, in terms of how the stock moves in in. Uh, uh, concert with the the sales of something, and it, it's going uh, great this morning. Although enthusiasm by this hour has tempered from the before hours stuff, and you know, in another couple of days, it, it'll all be forgotten. Apple stock is about where it was two weeks ago. You know, the big move down uh, after the uh, the the um, PR sort of misstep. Uh, apparently, the judgment that there was a misstep on the the rollout with China uh, Mobile. Uh, that too, and you know, it's, it's it's all little bits of news uh, when you get right down to it compared to the sea of of Apple sales. But do you think that this bodes well for sales throughout the quarter? I think part of at least some of what I've read this morning is looking beyond what we've seen over this first weekend and the indication that oh, this this actually bodes well for. Not just the company, but also Tim Cook and his reputation as a world-class operator. Because it seems like where – to the extent that Cook gets dinged for not being the innovator that Steve Jobs was, not that I'm sure anyone could necessarily live up to that, it does seem like this is an indication that, okay, if this is what Apple is going to be over the next 10 years, then you do need someone like Cook who really can get the proper – products in the proper channels. 
I kind of wanted me with Apple. I mean, I look at it as a fundamentally different company now than it was back in, in the the Steve Jobs days. And I mean, I think you have to. I mean, it's it's almost a five hundred billion dollar company now. So I mean, for investors to go in there and buy the stock today and think that it's going to be, uh, you know, something that returns fifteen percent annualized over the next five to ten years, I think that's that's probably misguided. I mean, I think you have to look at it more uh, as as an income style generating play. I mean, I think the share buybacks and the dividends are going to be playing a bigger part uh, in Apple for shareholders going forward. I don't. I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot of innovation, at least like we've been used to uh, with this phone. I mean, they they are going to you know continue to roll out devices and new services. I mean, I think the fact that 200 million or so people have downloaded the iOS 7, that new rollout was was you know that speaks volumes. That seemed kind of like a polarizing um, upgrade there. But you know, I, I downloaded. I like it on my iPad. It's not bad. I mean, but uh, yeah, it's it's just. You know, I mean, they're going to bring in about thirty-six or so billion dollars this quarter, and let's put that in perspective. In two thousand and eight, they made thirty-six billion dollars in that whole year. So, I mean, this is a company that's grown a lot in a in a short amount of time, and um, and it's just now a really big company. So, you've got to sort of look at that uh, going forward. I, I, you know, I would say that you can come up with fifteen percent annualized returns from owning the stock over the next five or ten years through a combination of dividends and and buybacks and 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 the starting point from when you buy the stock is if you bought the stock i don't know last week you're up 10 percent, right so uh boom boom lock, lock in the game <laughs> and a lot of people forward. and right and a lot of people are trading the stock yep. all the time on both sides to try to get that that little 10 percent uh and have missed some of them have missed you know the 300 400 percent that it's up over the last you know four years so meanwhile blackberry was down 17 percent on friday down another five or six percent this morning in the wake of blackberry's announcement that the quarterly loss is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of just under a billion dollars also the company is laying off 4500 workers that is i think roughly that's, I think that's over a third of the company, based on the the last filing I saw, which had uh, had the company somewhere in the neighborhood of thirteen thousand employees. Is it is it blindfold and cigarette time for BlackBerry? Because it really <laughs> really does seem like for its crimes. You mean no, not, like no to, not for its crimes. <laughs> isn't that why you get the blindfold? I suppose and that is. Maybe that's maybe that's a terrible analogy. <laughs> right. Um, I, I I don't know. This is a stock that I looked at this morning. I was stunned to see that it's still trading for around ten dollars a share because I just thought, holy cow, who's who's buying this stock? Who is who is who is Canadians? Who is who is buying this stock with any amount of optimism? And, and oh, by the way, what is their case? What is the thesis for a happy ending? For buying BlackBerry, probably, $10 a share. It's probably the same people who are buying JCPenney and Radio Shack and things of that nature. I mean, it's you have to you have to figure there's some value there somewhere. Uh, there's a, certainly a trading dynamic that goes along with this. That you know, that's it's not something we profess to, to know much about. But yeah, I mean, I think you look at BlackBerry. It's just been a long uh, downward slide since around 2008. You've seen uh, devices make up less and less a percentage of the revenue. So they're trying to take this in the direction where they think they at least have something to offer in managing sort of the service dynamic of it. Uh, but again, I mean, it's just going to be a very small sliver. Uh, of the overall market the opportunity that's out there, and so blindfold and cigarette, maybe. I, yeah, I don't know what people are hoping for there because it's been a, a rather long series of, of bad announcements from the company, and there doesn't seem to be uh, 
anything new on on the horizon. But you know, let's hope for the best for them. They they were a once great and proud company, uh, I suppose. and dominant. And dominant. And and there's a lesson there which people like to point to uh, for Apple shareholders to beware. And, you know, they list Nokia and BlackBerry and various other once dominant uh, players in, in that segment and Motorola. And, and, you know, someday it will be Apple's turn if, you know, history is any indication. Uh, it hasn't been that day yet, and it may not be that day for, for a while. And in the meantime, Apple may have diversified well beyond uh, what it's already done. But, uh, you know, history indicates that you don't uh, establish and keep a dominant position in that particular industry. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're asking the right question from the very beginning, who's buying this stock? And I would just encourage any investor out there who considers BlackBerry or something like that, I mean, you have to look at look, look at it in wonder. Find out what the catalyst is. If it's a short-term event or a long-term trend, if you can't figure out what that catalyst is that's going to propel this thing back upward, uh, then, then you really need to second-guess why you're buying in the first place. The Emmy Awards were held last night, and there were some big wins for HBO, AMC Networks. Who, who had the best Netflix. dress, do you think, Chris? Um, uh, I, that's like ninety percent of the coverage the of best. the Emmys that I come across uh, from you know CNN or or whatever that that reminds me that the Emmys were last night. It's yet another situation where it's just easier to be a man than a woman because I feel like a guy in just a, a, a decent suit is going to get a pass, whereas a woman in a dress is going to be judged much more. Uh, critically. I thought you meant man versus a woman and that we're blessed with just the utter indifference and apathy of what's going on at the Emmys and we don't watch it. We're watching football. You're talking about the guys who are actually well, he, dressing he, going to the event. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about Either way. Guys. Well, all right. So tomato, tomato. I, I can see where you're, where you're coming from, Chris. Who wore the best tux last night, in your opinion? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Does it really matter at that point <laughs> when a, a bunch of guys dressed like penguins are walking around? They, they're all pretty much it's the same. A, it's hard to screw that up. It's, it's, it's just hard to mess that one up. Whereas, some people do now, though, and they're the a, ones that make the a news. A large the number day, were right? tied for first place, is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, we got an email from uh, Jonathan Sanders, uh, one of our dozens of listeners. Actually, he well-dressed had, guy. Well-dressed guy. Yes. Uh, he identifies himself as listener number 597, so thank you for that. Uh, but uh, speaking of Netflix, as we were just briefly, um, he pointed us to a story about Netflix saying that uh, the company tracks the activity on piracy websites to help uh, it decide what movies and TV shows to buy. The show Prison Break was an example of that. Vince Gilligan, who's the genius behind the show Breaking Bad, and in his acceptance speech last night when Breaking Bad won Best Drama, he, among other things, credited Netflix saying, hey, Netflix helped keep us alive because people discovered the show on Netflix. In this article that Jonathan sent us, Vince Gilligan also credits piracy. Basically saying, hey, there's a double-edged sword to privacy, and I know that the people who are looking to make money don't like it, but piracy helped us. Sure. Well, I mean, it's, you know, for, for many years, uh, and even today, really, I mean, a lot of, a lot of bands have, have benefited from, you know, bootleg tapes that, that went, went around. And, and I think you had some bands that would embrace that, like the Grateful Dead obviously spearheaded that movement. And you see uh, what they've been able to do with that uh, since then. I mean, you have 
everywhere from the Black Crows to the Almond Brothers and Widespread Panic now their own their own sites and sell the soundboard copies so that they've been able to sort of parlay that that piracy into their own success. And I, I think that you know, this is the same thing, more or less. I mean, it, the video space is, is changing dramatically, right? Right in front of us. And I mean, Netflix has played an important role as sort of the first mover in that space of giving us video online. Uh, and, you know, what we're seeing now is obviously a tremendous number of competitors jumping in there. And a lot of the big cable companies like Comcast and Verizon are jumping in there and upping their on-demand game as well, uh, because they realize that, you know, folks are wanting just they they want to watch what they want when they want and how they want uh so it's more or less just figuring out a way to cater to the individual uh, i think with more competitors in the space i think piracy uh, becomes a bit more marginalized in, you know in the future piracy a good thing before you're a hit that's the lesson <laughs> i think that yeah i think that is the lesson um we were talking earlier house of cards that's a show you've watched right you've i have watched it your thumbs up, big recommendation. Yes, everybody go out and watch it. Uh, <laughs> Have you? Seen that was it? not a paid endorsement. No, it's a good no, show. Yeah. You, you haven't watched it. I you would love it. I don't have Netflix, so I, I uh, steal it. I was going to say, way, you, I don't have it either. If you give me your password, though, I'll go watch it. I've, yeah. I've not seen it. I've heard good things. But uh, I, that's the thing is, like, I find so we're HBO it, it won some Emmys, right? Did it? I don't. Th- I think maybe it won a one. They, they showed up in tuxes and dresses, yeah. at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. So there's that. There is that. Yeah. I, I find myself with not enough time to watch what I'm already trying to catch up on with HBO Go. And, I mean, between Boardwalk Empire and, you know, everything else that they have to offer uh, – Jeez, you know, but yeah. And having to spend time with your kids. That cut, I find that that cuts into my time. Let the them kids. watch with you. <laughs> Let them watch Boardwalk Empire with you. Bad that's, parent award. That's what we're not <laughs> telling mom about the next day, right? Absolutely. Uh, before we get to our final story, I should mention uh, Motley Fool Funds is having its semi-annual shareholder call Tuesday, September 24th, uh, starting at 6 o'clock Eastern time. You can find more information on how to listen to the call or watch it because I believe we'll be streaming video on that. Uh, I will be hosting it. Uh, You can go to foolfunds.com for all the information, foolfunds.com. And by the way, you do not have to be a shareholder to listen to this or watch it. Uh, So it should be be a pretty riveting hour. As riveting as every one of the previous ones was. More so because you're putting extra prep into uh, this this one, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's tomorrow. For those that are listening to this live, which I guess is impossible. It's impossible because yeah. this is a podcast. But that would be us. <laughs> right. Um, final story, uh, and I should preface this by saying uh, rampant speculation is forthcoming. <laughs> um, but this is a story that uh, caught my eye over the weekend. So the low standards by which we <laughs> usually hold ourselves in making uh, prognostications is gone. Draining just more a little so bit more water. water the yes. Got it. Yes. yes. But I think, I think it'll be worth it. Um, I guess our listeners will decide. Um, but it's a story about Chipotle uh, testing out coffee. Um, Chipotle has two locations at which it serves breakfast, and that is because it has to, because these are locations at airports, specifically Washington Dulles International Airport and uh, the Baltimore Washington International Airport. Uh, and if I guess if you're a restaurateur in that in those locations, you have to serve breakfast. So those are the only two Chipotles that serve breakfast. They serve coffee there as well, but uh, they've been serving uh, a high end. Coffee, uh, la, la column torrefaction. I'm 
absolutely mispronouncing that. It's a Philadelphia-based coffee company. Uh, and I should – I'm reading directly from the Huffington Post uh, story here. Chipotle spokesman Chris Arnold emphatically denied that Chipotle has any intention of rolling out coffee or breakfast to more locations. He's lying. Emphatically. He's obviously trying to trick us. Yeah, that's when you know he emphatically denies. That's like it's that's that's yeah. it. You know he's now. I I ask purely as a new Chipotle shareholder, why and would a coffee addict and a coffee addict? <laughs> why not? Why not serve breakfast? Why wouldn't Chipotle do this? When you look at what McDonald's has done with breakfast, and in particular over the last few years with coffee and the success that McDonald's has had pushing premium coffee, doesn't there have to be some executive? I'm not saying Monty Moran, the the co-CEO, because I think if he wanted to do it, it would happen. But I have to believe that at least one of his lieutenants is pounding the table saying, this is an opportunity and we need to jump on this. No? I would think, you know, it's it's space in the restaurants that, you know, hours that they are not open and they could be doing something. And, and it's to the outsider is sort of a marginal uh, cost to open up for a few more hours and use the space that's already there and serve, you know, the third meal of the day uh, rather than just the two that they do right now. So I think there is opportunity. They have been uh, very cautious uh, about breakfast. It's been, you know, out there at Dulles and BWI for years. And they've been very cautious with, um, you know, their other brand, too. So they're they're not a company, yeah, uh, that is looking to, you know, grow uh, just for the sake of growth. Uh, They're obviously doing great without having gone to breakfast yet. So to test it for a while longer isn't harming the shareholders. And just gives them an, an opportunity to get it right. And when they do, um, you know, I'm sure that coffee will be part of a breakfast menu. Yeah, I'm going to speculate here with reckless abandon. I mean, I think that one day here, sooner or later, we will see uh, Chipotle roll out breakfast, uh, you know, nationwide. I mean, I think Bill Bill's spot on there. I mean, they they do not rush into anything. And I mean, that's, that's why they're only at 1,500 stores today. That's why the shop house only has like four stores open today. They just... You know, between Stephen Ells' pride in the product that he's putting out there, Monty Moran's operational, uh, you know, wherewithal. I mean, they, they just they they don't have any reason to rush it. And I think that really, honestly, shareholders in Chipotle should should feel good about that. But now I'm just now you really want that breakfast you burrito, are, don't you? You feel I, like you're deprived. Yeah. I, there aren't enough coffee options until <laughs> Chipotle comes in and gets it right. It's not that. But now <laughs> if, if I get to sit down with Monty Moran, the first question out of my mouth is going to be, tell me how breakfast is doing at those two locations. Yeah. Because either it is – broadly, it is either doing just as well as everything else or they are losing money on it, or they're or they or they're crushing it. Let's be very or, clear: or, you're not the only one that's asked that, and they <laughs> they continue to sidestep at every conference call when someone does ask about it. I mean, they just they're encouraged. They continue to test new items, and da 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 da. Or they just don't really care, right? <laughs> I mean, possibly. Look, they have to have everybody at Dulles and BWI has to offer some sort of breakfast thing, including. Right. Uh, and I can remember being at Dulles uh, for a very early flight with my family, going on vacation, and Five Guys was open. And I said, I'm on vacation. It's 7 in the morning. I'm getting a burger. Because this is, this is one of the steps that I am taking to prove to myself I'm on vacation. And I so I'm going to have a burger for breakfast because it's open. And they had some other thing on the menu at breakfast. But 
why have it when I could be eating a burger, right? And I think that the Chipotle menu for breakfast is probably, uh, you know, got a lot of your normal Chipotle options and then some sort of breakfasty thing. And, you know, whether it works or not doesn't matter all that much because really they're they're probably making their money on the non-breakfast stuff. And, you know, maybe they hit, hit upon something sooner or later and maybe they have already. I don't know. What do you Let's th- ramp- rampantly speculate about that, though. What do you think we're going to see first? Do you think because Shophouse is fewer than ten locations? Yeah, there's like four, I think, today. What do you think we're going to see first? Shophouse gets to one hundred locations, or Chipotle rolls out tests breakfast in a few locations where it is not required to do so. Let's just assume anywhere they're in an airport, they're going to have to have it. What do you think we're going to see first? Uh, you know, I would probably bet on the the breakfast option first. And the only reason I say that is because they've they've they they continue to say that. I mean, that for the foreseeable future, the the biggest lever of growth for them is going to be in the Chipotle namesake stores. But but with that said, I mean, we know that shop houses by far and away going to be a a major part of this company over the next twenty years. I could speculate, but Jason's already done it with reckless. <laughs> Bill Barker, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.